It's Monday, so you know it means it's time for the Fight Talk podcast. We got some MMA stuff, as always, to get into, but uh, it's not uh, it's not a Monday if we don't at least you know ha- tell everybody how how good of a time we had over the weekend. So, Stephen Jensen, how good uh, how good was your weekend? It was pretty good, man. Watched a lot of wrestling and fighting, as always. The UFC show was incredible. We're gonna definitely talk about that. Oh yeah. Uh, watched some indie wrestling. I can't remember everything that I watched yet, but shout out to Action Wrestling. I did a podcast with Matt Griffin from Action right here on this podcast feed for indie or any any and all wrestling fans. If you want to check that out, uh, Mo's here was on commentary for uh, the action shows that me and Matt were actually talking about. So um, so yeah, shout out to Action Wrestling and. I uh yeah, just another another solid weekend. The the Vikings fucking lost uh because Saw our field, yeah, our field goal kicker missed three field goals and a and a PAT all in one game. Missed three oh. field goals and a PAT. Didn't hit didn't hit anything yesterday. And that would have been 10 points and we probably would have beat the Buccaneers yesterday. And we and it's such a momentum shifter too. Like it isn't just the points that you're missing. It's like the team morale just dips after you just worked your ass off for a touchdown. Then the dude fucking whiffs the, the extra point or you're on the fucking 30 yard line. And you know, that's a chip in for the problem I have with this. This is the only thing I'll say about football and I'll pass it to you. <laughs> the problem I have with this is like, I get that it's shitty to be the one guy who it's all riding on. You're the kicker. Like if you miss your, the biggest piece of shit in the world if you hit the kick like you're supposed to because you're the kicker and that's your job. But that kind of is the point that I'm trying to make is you are like, that is your only job. Like the guy only had to run onto the field four times yesterday and he missed all four times. Like I, you miss one every now and then that's no big deal. Like that's too, that's to be expected, but four in a row. And I think he missed three out of five uh, the game before. And almost the, the ironic thing there is he missed multiple field goals uh, last week, and then he hit the game-winning field goal in overtime. So it was like, okay, well, how mad can I really be? Like, the guy still won the game for us at the end of the day. This time, I mean, just, yeah. Anyways, the Vikings still have a chance at the playoffs. Uh, they need a lot of things to go their way, but technically they can still, they have like a like a 20% chance right now or whatever. So we'll see yeah. how it goes. But anyway, that was my weekend. And uh, how was yours, Moe's? It was good, man. Uh, better than having a kicker ruin... Uh, man, I've been there. I've, as a Titan fan, we've, you know, you say Al Del Greco down here, and uh, and some people may really just take that as an offense to their like nature. Um, so I've been there with, with kickers, just tearing your heart out, bro. That's um, a position you don't you don't really care about at times until you've had your heart ripped out, and then like even now with Goskowski as a Titan. You know, he's missed some kicks this year. It's kind of the same thing. He's been a couple of games like you just mentioned. He misses kicks he should make, and you're, you're upset, but then he miss, you know makes the game winner. So at the end of the day, you're like, okay, cool, whatever. But it's just one of those when you've had those things go wrong. I can't – any you know, PATs get me stressed out now. At any moment, I'm like, dude, he might – like in theory, he might miss. It would not be yeah. that shocking. Um, nope. So better – hey, I, I didn't have that same issue happily for me, sadly for you. Titans got the dub. Um, ha- happy to see though that they're, it's on a zero percent chance for the playoffs, bro. Like, skull, baby, let's get in there, stick <laughs> that shit in. Yeah, man, I like hearing that. And uh, and action was good this weekend for you. 
really good. We did, uh, as as mentioned on the uh, the interview that you did that I got to listen to on the way down there, um, two shows. One will be up this week live, I believe, on the IWTV. The other, uh, I believe, is going to have a, a VOD. Just it's going to pop up and not really have a premiere. Uh, that could be wrong. It would not be the first or last time. But expect both those shows for anyone that's crossed over to IWTV. Uh, within the next, like, I would say the next week, 10 days, something like that, they both should be up. Uh, and then TWE Saturday was good. That's, like, kind of a home base for me. So it's good to see kind of, you know, even during COVID, um, we, we've got a lot of the same people that come out wearing the mask. And uh, and it's just good to see, you know, see some fa- some familiar faces, Stephen Jensen. Hell yeah, man, for sure. Shout out to Jaden Newman there at TWE. Who yeah. also worked Who also worked on the action show that we were just talking about. So, Good stuff, man. Um, dude, let's talk about the fights. There is so much good shit to talk about here for this past weekend. Well, I was going to say, before before we dive into this banging card, we were going to talk a little bit about Bellator. I know we the news of the weekend before that hell of a main event and just this fire-ass card uh, that was UFC 256, the big news coming out of the weekend appeared to be Rumble Johnson and now, you know, within this past hour, hour and a half, Yoel Romero both going to uh, to Bellator and Yoel making the fucking move uh, to 205, dude. Yeah, I love this. I talked about this a little bit last week about how I was surprised Yoel never moved to 205 because it like he totally, I feel like he should have done this already. And now to see he's actually making the move, I think is great. Rumble Johnson and Bellator is great also. Um, this is also great things for Bellator and for the fans just of MMA in general, like, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see more and more of this happening because the UFC is apparently going to cut like 60 to 80 people from their roster. And it's going to really open it up for some of these companies. Um, obviously, the UFC is so far ahead of the competition that I I don't see like Bell, like Bellator would have to sign someone like Conor McGregor for it to even be like a chance of having, you know what I mean? But it, But it's... Uh, it's going to be good for the fans because it's not like it's difficult to find Bellator very easy to find their shows. And with enough hype, I think a lot of these cards will be really interesting. So um, I'm interested to see where all these people kind of wind up landing, but Rumble Johnson and Yoel Romero in particular, uh, I I see Rumble Johnson either coming in and fighting Yoel right away or getting a title shot against Vadim Nemkov. uh, Because I'd imagine Rumble wouldn't really. Ha- I think they'd put him right into a title fight unless they think that like a bigger money fight would be him and Yoel, uh, which which it probably would be. By the way, even though like there'd be the title on the line with Nemkov, the name value of Yoel Romero is still much much higher. So, um, so yeah, man, I'm in, I'm excited. I think that uh, Bellator made a good decision by signing both guys, uh, and we talked about Yoel quite a bit last week. But even though he's lost like four out of his last five, it's been to you know, the tippy top of the competition out there and he'll be fighting. I mean, Rumble Johnson is still at that same level, but outside of Rumble Johnson, th- there's going to be a, probably a fairly, to, just to be brutally honest, there's going to be a fairly big drop off in competition. Like you have Nemkov, who's looked really good. Bader had looked really good up until his loss to Nemkov, but he also has unfinished business at heavyweight holding that title too. So I'd assume Bader will probably be doing some stuff at heavyweight. So the rest of the division, you got like Phil Davis, uh, you got Leona Machida and stuff like that. Guys who are, uh, in my opinion, you know, I think in most people's opinions, 
kind of towards the tail end of their careers. So uh, Rumble Johnson has an opportunity here to really come in and dominate potentially. And same with Yoel Romero. I, th- I think they immediately become like, you know, outside of Nemkov, who's looked really, really good and he's the current champion. I think you have like Rumble and Yoel are probably the only two other guys I'd put even like kind of in that category uh, right now in the division. So uh, immediately makes the division way, way, way more interesting. Big names. Those are definitely for the casual fans, for the <clears throat> the, the the people maybe just clicking around um, on the right night. I think it's a big get for, for Bellator on both cases. Uh, for Rumble, he's a name that I had to go back and look. I knew it had been a few years. Uh, by the time he fights for Bellator, it'll probably be closer to four years uh, since his last fight, though the only man he's lost to, the only person he's lost to since 2012 is Daniel Cormier uh, back in 2012, lost to Vitor Belfort. Since then, he's beat everybody except Cormier. Of course, the two losses, uh, both by rear naked choke. Um, I- I'm excited, man, because I love Rumble. Uh, you said he's still, what, 36 years old. Uh, I mean, there, there's plenty of miles left on Rumble. That's a that's a weight class, uh, a weight division that I think he could do a lot of things in, have a lot of, again, fights that people are going to be like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll check out Rumble in that situation. For Yoel, I think the move, I think I read somewhere uh, right before we started recording, move in weight actually is kind of what brought Bellator back in. I know sometime in the last week I read that Bellator wasn't interested, and of course, wouldn't be the first time you're playing that game. Uh, we don't really care. We were passing, and then you try to figure something out, kind of by, uh, a little less in the public eye. But I can see that being closer to the truth, man. The fact that we've all been saying it for a while that you'll at at light heavy at two hundred five is um, is really exciting. So here we are, we're there, and again, a division that he should do very well in. Uh, the big question, how soon do you do this fight? Do you let each come in and maybe pick up a win, or do you just, you know, we go a couple months into the year? Yeah, that's it really depends on their timelines, because I'd imagine Rumble Johnson's probably, like, pretty ready to go right now. Uh, and the good, the really cool thing with him too is, you know, there's always the op, you know the possibility, you know, if ring rust exists, you know, some people think it does, some people doesn't, you know, don't really believe in it. I think for Rumble, the time off's probably been really good because he was able to just like probably totally heal his body. I think long breaks can be really beneficial to some guys, and I think in Rumble Johnson, when he left the UFC, a lot of people don't realize like he left in his prime and. The only reason he really left is because he had started like how's the best way of explaining this? He had he had prepared himself for the legalization of marijuana. He he had set up all these like uh I don't know what what they even were like I don't know if they were like little farms or if they were well, probably a mixture of both farms and dispensaries and that kind of stuff. And he had this stuff like ready and ready to go. And the second that uh, we became legal in certain areas that he had setups, it was like, okay, cool. I'm, I don't even need to fight anymore because I'm going to make so much money on this that 
uh, I don't have to risk fighting anymore and I can retire my prime. And, uh, and from what I understand, he's done very well. And I, I'm sure he's still involved in that industry. I don't, I don't know why he wouldn't be, you know, I, I think that's a very smart business move on his part. And it allowed him to go away for a few years and heal his body and probably smoked a ton of weed and he's probably feeling great. And we kind of saw that with Mike Tyson too. Like at one point, Mike Tyson was just sitting around smoking weed for years. And then he decided one day, like, all right, I'm going to get back into this. So, uh, so I'm interested to see kind of where Rumble's at, but I think that he he's a big enough name and he, he possesses those unique tools to just, you know, end anyone's night so quickly and devastatingly. I I would put Rumble in the title fight immediately, unless Yoel is like ready to go right now also, which is possible. It's been a while since he fought. But if Yoel and him are both ready to go, you can do that as a number one contender fight and you know, the winner of that faces Nemkov. I, uh, I, I don't know, but I would, I would say, I mean, both are great options, but uh, I, I could see a definite possibility, even Yoel getting a title shot right away. I mean, I think it just depends on both of their timelines, but I think for sure we, I mean, we have to get Rumble Johnson versus Yoel Romero at, at some point in the near future. Cause that's what the fans I think are going to really be clamoring for. I, I bet if I talk to, if I talk to a hundred people who consider themselves to be MMA fans, I bet maybe out of that hundred, ten people know who Vadim Nemkov is. You know what I mean? Like I, I so, yeah. but they're all going to know Yoel Romero and Rumble Johnson. No, that's a big fight right out of the gate. Again, I, I'm with you. I see the money. The money's there whenever they want it. Um, but um, it does. It just feels it's it's kind of staring you in the face. So. Would not be shocked to see that happen sooner uh, rather than later. Um, anything else you wanted to say about the, the signings? And then I know you wanted to at least talk for a second about we are a few days out of or past. I don't know the right way to say that. Uh, Bellator 254 uh, this past December 10th. Um, anything you wanted to say about the uh, the Bellator fights also? Yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, I'll address that first. Aline Lane McFarlane lost her title. Um, she lost to Juliana Velazquez and it was a pretty one-sided decision win, uh, which was unexpected because Lena McFarlane had looked really, really impressive. Uh, so, uh, that, and, but that's another one that just like flew super under the radar and McFarlane was 11 and 0 going into that fight. I mean, so, uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. It was one of those things where even I wasn't paying super close attention. And then my Twitter timeline was blowing up throughout the fight. Like the you know, round by round, like, Oh wow. Like Velasquez is winning. Velasquez is winning. Like this might have a new champion. So I was like, Oh damn, I better pay attention to this. So, um, so I, yeah, I turned it on. That's the only fight that I watched on the show. So I don't have a uh, really any perspective on the rest of it, but Velasquez looked really good and got the job done. Um, but as far as uh, what you had said before with, you know, if I wanted to say anything else about the signings, I think that there's many more of these coming, uh, whether to Bellator or Bare Knuckle or One Championship or wherever else, PFL. I mean, I think we're going to see uh, some more big names leaving the UFC, especially ones that are uh, maybe a little out of their prime, maybe a little up there in age, uh, and especially if they cost a lot of money in comparison to uh, some newer talent they could maybe sign from like the contender series or something. So um, I think a, a name to really pay attention to right now is Nick Diaz. And I, I, I think that that's someone who that's like the name that really jumps out to me as far as 
of someone who says he wants to fight again next year, just like Rumble. It been inactive for a long time and, and announced that he wants to fight next year, but has a kind of rocky. Now I'm not saying with Rumble, but with Nick Diaz has a, a you know historically speaking not the greatest relationship with Dana White. Um, and has a really good relationship in the past with Scott Coker from him working for him in Strike Force. And now, of course, Scott Coker runs Bellator. I, I think that, and, and I think Bellator would give him a ton of money. And similar to his run in Strike Force, he could come back and wouldn't have to fight like the elite of the elite. Uh, just like in Strike Force, just for what it's worth, my favorite probably stretch of fights like ever in fighting history for me to watch as a fan was Nick Diaz in Strike Force. Just him, just running through people, and and then some crazy, and then some crazy ones with like Paul Daly and stuff, right? I mean, just like, like, and but he was fighting a lot of lower level, like in comparison to the UFC roster, it was lower level competition, but it was still so much fucking fun to watch, and I could totally see that kind of happening in Bellator for him, and he'd get paid more money, and he can do his sponsorships, and and he probably wouldn't have to worry about failing for weed, all that kind of stuff, like, you know what I mean? I think that would just be, it just makes a lot of sense. No, I I couldn't agree more with that that run. Um, I remember the the you know the Frank Shamrock fight yes. when he fought Zaramskis when he fought fucking. Uh, you already mentioned it. The Paul Daly one will forever be in my and you know that front of my mind of just like you said the excitement of it. Um, that's good shit. Yeah, because someone someone go watch Strike Force Nick Diaz tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, well, Dana, we're about to get into the UFC 256, but. A couple of names we just saw fight this past weekend um, under that banner. Dana White's basically come out and said, you know, the, the, we may be seeing these guys cut. Um, so be on the lookout for big signings across the board, man. No doubt about it. And, yeah, anytime, anytime a, a Diaz brother does anything, especially uh, for, for people our age, Nick, um, it's, it's going to move that needle no matter what. So, yeah, all eyes are, uh, are on Nick Diaz as he's used to. Um but yeah, man, we're fired up about it. UFC 256 is in the books. The shortest turnaround between <clears throat> defending a title uh, by a champion in UFC history. 21 days to the day, I believe. We finally got, uh, finally, obviously, the joke there in 21 days. Figgy versus Moreno. Flyweight title on the line. It was the fight of the night. Goes to a draw, bro. Uh, I know for me, I think you would agree that it was uh, close. I'm mean, super close, obviously, the draw, though. Uh, Moreno kind of slowing down late. May have may have got Figgy back in it, man. For a moment there, I thought Moreno may, uh, may leave with that gold. Yeah, it was a damn close fight. And... I'm I'm just saying, if y'all have been listening to these shows, like I was calling for Brandon Marino to have this opportunity on the last pay-per-view instead of Alex Perez, because I thought he deserved it more and I thought it would be a better fight. And this was a way better fight than the Alex Perez fight. This this, in my opinion, was a uh, it's close. It's this is fight of the year. It's either this or Yoani and Jacek versus Wiley Zhang. Uh the the Zhang and John Jacek fight for me edges it out just a little bit because I was there live, so I have like a little bit extra attachment to it. But I would not argue this fight, uh, Marino versus Figgy, for the for the title. I would not, I would not argue that at all. I think that th- this was potentially the best fight of the entire year. And I mean, Marino Marino looked damn good, and he 
one million percent deserves an immediate rematch. So, uh, sorry, Cody Garbrandt. I, and, and here, I'm, if Marino maybe if he has kind of any lingering injuries, if if Fig can put the title on the line against Garbrandt first, I'm okay with that. As but Brandon Marino's next fight, no matter who, like no matter what happens next with the title. Brandon Marino's next fight, he should get another shot at this championship, in my opinion. I thought this, I thought this fight was great, and I think to your point, I think you're right on the money. I think Figueroa won that fight with the within the last like 20 seconds of that fifth round. When when he got him onto the ground and he was he was doing ground and pound at the end, I think that's what won him the fight at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Of course, we got to mention the the. Uh, Figgy was deducted at one point in round three, growing strike. He actually, uh, I was actually really cool with with him talking about it after. So so uh, rarely do the fighter really just lean into it, and you just say, "Yeah, this or that." It's usually I don't want to say an excuse, but there's a reason behind it, or it's not mentioned at all. So for Figgy to come out and be like, "Oh yeah, you know, I I deserve that. I, I did this. I did that. I fucked up. Uh, mistakes on my part." Um, I thought that was pretty cool. I want I want a rematch, man. I do. I want it. Um, maybe give these guys more than three weeks uh, <laughs> to get ready for one another. Uh, super impressive that Figueredo just you know competed, defended that title twice that quickly. Um, we haven't told the cards though yet. Forty or the uh, judges' cards: forty-eight, forty-six, and then two forty-seven, forty-sevens for a draw of a majority. Uh, hell of a fight, though, man. Again, I'm with you. I think. I didn't know if this was going to be fight of the year when we went into it. I thought it very well could be fight of the night because I'm very high on Moreno as well. It, it's hard for me. Though, I think you're you're on it, man. Those two probably would be 1A and 1B for fights of the year for me this year, man. Uh, incredible, incredible main event for UFC 256. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And and I misspoke a second ago saying did enough, like Fig did enough to get the win at the end. Obviously it was a draw, but he retained his title, no. so it yeah. made, you kind of yeah. yeah, you kind of have to look at it like a win. I mean, Marina Marina the the thing is this had the so there were, at one point in the fight Fig kicks Marino right in the dick like super yeah. hard and like it almost ended the fight. And had that not happened, because referee Jason Herzog deducted a point, which I thought was a great move. Like, when you hit someone that hard illegally, I like the idea of the referee actually penalizing you instead of giving you a warning, because that could have totally swayed how that fight went. And and that's why the draw happened, though. Like, outside of that nut shot, Fig would have taken this on the scorecards. Um, but that, but you do have to factor in the nut shot. I mean, that that's a... That's a devastating blow illegally. So, I mean, I, it, and that's another reason why I say, just like you, I think that, I mean, Marino, uh, Marino definitely deserves uh, another shot at this belt, I think. And that doesn't take anything away from Figueredo either. Like, I, I think that he's a fucking amazing champion in a very short amount of time. He's looked fucking awesome. And, and him to even have the balls to, to take this fight so quickly, uh, both of them coming off of fights three weeks ago. I mean, I, both, all around, like the fight was awesome, and the, these two guys, like they they should run it back, or Marino should get the winner of Fig and Garbrand if if that happens first. And what a year uh, for Figueredo, man! Quickly, I want to say uh, February is when uh, um, it was supposed to be for the vacant flyweight title. He missed weight, 
beats Benavidez. They fight again in July, makes weight, wins the title, gets performance of the night, defends against Perez, and then now the draw against Marino. In a way, even with the draw, um, he's feeling like he's 4 0. Got to be going into next year. Great year uh, for Figueredo, and uh, and a main main event um, rematch will be uh, all eyes out for because it can't be. I mean, I think even Dana said in the post uh, the post fight scrum that uh, that that's really the only option is to rematch. So uh, we know what we're going to get here. Um, A a question we don't have the answer though, Stephen Jensen, right now is. Charles Oliveira, super impressive, dominant decision win, 30-26 across all three judges. We very rarely have three judges see the fight the same way. Uh, that's how impressive Oliveira was in the win over El Kukui, Tony Ferguson. You said it going in. I agreed with you that who you know if Charles Oliveira wins this fight, he needs to get a title shot. So with really no idea what's going on with the lightweight title, uh, obviously your thoughts on the fight, fight but what i mean what happens next for Oliveira? uh he won a billion percent deserves a title shot if not i mean i would have been okay with dana white just walking into the octagon and handing him the belt after that just be like all right here's the champ now if habib's not fighting anymore like this is our champion they got to come after this guy um he is the next champion in my opinion i i think he beats dustin i think he beats gaichi i think he beats connor um I, I think he beats all these guys the only guy the only guy right now that i think is a matchup for um, Habib for him is Habib. I think that that's like, and then from there it's like then it gets a lot harder to call. Like I still probably favor Habib in that one, but I've been saying it for so long. Like this this guy's putting it together. He's been fucking slept on so heavily over the last couple of years, but been just under the radar doing all this impressive stuff. He's still like thirty years old or something. Like he's like he's like our age. And he's been in the UFC for like 30 fights already or whatever it is. I mean, it's completely insane what this guy has done in his career, like so under the radar. Had some hiccups throughout his career, but it was growing pains, young fighter. Now he's like really, really putting it together. And he's the only one who has a skill set that actually makes it interesting against Habib. Because Habib is not going to, I mean, I, I can't speak for Habib, obviously, but he's I, it's hard to believe that he's going to want to be on the ground with Oliveira um, as as confident as Habib is in his ground game. And then you also have the factor where Oliveira's stand-up is really good now. And Habib has very good stand-up too, actually underrated stand-up in my opinion. Um, but that's kind of the thing. It's a really good matchup. Um, and, you know, it's just, Oliveira just looks so damn good out there. I mean, that was... He went out there and completely dominated Tony Ferguson. And Ferguson went out there and proved, like, he's still a damn good fighter. Ferguson's still, like, a top-five guy. But it's like, they are, you know, Oliveira just made easy work of him. And I don't, I mean, as much as I love guys like Dustin and and, and Justin Gaethje and stuff like that, I don't, I, I see it going the same way for all those guys against Oliveira right now. It's just really really fucking impressed with, with his performance again for against Ferguson on Saturday. Uh, I'm a numbers guy. I think everyone that listens picked up on this. Uh, I just, I love looking at this and seeing what we're talking about. Just laid out in front of you. So since April of 2017, uh, the 31 year old Charles Oliveira, to your point, he literally, he turned 31 back in October. So he's a fresh 31 year old. 
He is nine and one since April of 2017. The only loss being to Paul Felder uh, all the way back at UFC 218. Uh, we're talking about wins and finishes over Clay Guida, Jim Miller, you know, Nick Lentz, Kevin Lee, and of course uh, the decision went over Tony Ferguson now, man. He's also, uh, he's got the most submission wins in UFC history. He broke that back in 2018 and he's added like three more since. So um, it, 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 every time we talk about Charles Oliveira, the big thing is he's not talked about enough. Even you know, even with guys like us that we really we we love the deep cuts, we love the uh, <clears throat> we love you know the 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 nuance of MMA. So uh, even for people like us, we don't talk about Charles Oliveira enough. But I think people are going to now, right? You don't. Tony Ferguson does not just get whipped like that, man. Tony Ferguson does not just get dominated like that. And everyone saw it uh, just a few days ago. So Charles Oliveira, has there been, I was actually going to ask you this, has there been anything about like the the Poirier-McGregor, it's not for an interim title or anything, right? It's just a fight right now. As of right now, yeah, it still is not for a championship. Um, And that's... And there's still no word on Habib. So if you're Charles Oliveira, you know, I'm almost, if I'm him, I'm almost saying, let that one be for the title. Like, figure something out because, you know, we're talking about in, in, not even, in less than four years this kind of dominance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he, <clears throat> at this point, I think after what he did to Ferguson, it's going to be undeniable. Like, I think he for sure fights for the belt in his next fight, whether it's for a vacant title or it's the winner of, of Poirier and Connor. But what they need to kind of be... What, what Oliver is probably kind of worried about in the back of his mind is I'm hearing that they're trying to book Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. So, oh, shit. So, yeah. And I've been saying for this whole time, like Dan Hooker versus Justin Gaethje for me is like a dream fight. I really want to see that. But I'm obviously fine with Gaethje versus uh, Chandler. And just also for what it's worth, early, early prediction, I think Justin Gaethje bounces back after that that loss to yeah. Habib. And I think Gaethje looks like an animal. <clears throat> and Chandler's really taken up. I mean, he's been he's been fighting good competition his whole career outside the UFC. But uh, we have also seen, I'm not going to compare him to like Hector Lombard right away or like Ben Askren, but like we have seen dominant people from outside the UFC come in and not look so great when they join the UFC. I think that Justin Gaethje is a really a really fucking tall task for Michael Chandler in his first UFC fight. Um, but, uh, but even, because even Justin Gaethje, his first fight was against Cowboy Cerrone and he got, he got worked pretty hard. Um, it took Gaethje a minute to, you know, and he had that loss to Alvarez also took Gaethje a second. Like he jumped right into the deep end, um, too, you know, himself. So that'll, that'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But I think that, you know, the reason I bring that up is because Olvera, I feel like he's at a point now where he, where he can't get lost in the mix. That's also why I would have kind of liked to just see them give him the title. Like, I know it didn't happen, but if they were just to hand him the championship, then it's like, you can't get skipped over. And you know what I mean? Like, it'd be something where, like, it's, you can't, like, he has, on merit, he has done enough. Like, he has done enough. I I think that Connor versus Dustin is a bigger, is a much bigger fight, obviously. Like, uh, it's going to do way more pay-per-view. And I do think that they're the two, I think that prior to this weekend, I would have said the two best guys in the weight class right now 
um, or would be Connor and Dustin. And yeah, have them fight for the belt. But I really think that Oliver is the best guy in the division right now. Like if we take Habib out of the equation, of course. No, yeah, it's he's he's got a resume that says that. I know Connor. Connor will forever be the draw. Uh, I know Dustin. That's a rematch that at the time um, Dustin was really sour on that that first fight with Connor. Um, I know there was a lot of trash talk going in. This is definitely more of a uh, professional fight feel, or as, you know, as you, especially with Connor, uh, usually you know known for for really uh, saying about as off the wall as he can get, though uh, very well versed. I, I'm with you, man. I think if that's not the title fight, then we figure out what's up with Khabib. And that's the thing is, it sounded like um, I bought. I think we talked about it. I bought that that would be it for Khabib. I thought that this would be he could go back home and uh, even with how young he was, but maybe he does fight again. No matter what, the next time that title is defended or is you know vacant and and needing a, a someone to, to wrap that around the waist. Charles Oliveira has to be in that fight, man. Yeah, and and to be to be honest, I haven't paid much attention to like the post fight stuff. So, I don't know what a lot of them have been saying in like their interviews and stuff the last couple of days uh, the people who competed on the show, but if I was Charles Oliveira, what I would do is I'd make sure to get on like the Hawani and DC show or or, uh, you know, get on with Luke Thomas or something like get in with the ESPN or whatever, get on a big outlet, Fred Okamoto or whoever, right? Like, just like get on whatever the biggest possible outlet is that you can get on right now and just issue a, issue a statement. I would look right in the camera and I would say, you know, something along the lines of, Hey, Habib, if you're still considering fighting, I think that we should fight like no disrespect, but I, I think that that's. You know, I think I've done enough, and I think stylistically I have the tools to beat you. I respect if you don't want to fight anymore, um, and that's no problem. But if you aren't going to fight anymore, you know, we need to know. Like, like if, if Olivera kind of puts it out there, I think, it at least, I think we get an answer of some kind from Habib soon. Although Habib's been really steady on saying he's retired. Like, he's been saying, like, there's no way... But there's still so much speculation. And I, I think, I guess, I don't know if you even, I guess the big thing is it's because he hasn't vacated the belt. Like, that's really the big thing. When, if he, But but I think if Olvera kind of said something publicly, if he hasn't already, he might already have. But um, if he can just kind of respectfully say something like that, because I think Olivera is someone Habib would be willing to fight. Because I think he sees the same kind of stuff I'm talking about, where he could be like, you know what? Like, I can get to 30-0 you know, because he's at 29-0 right now. He has an opportunity to end his career at 30 and 0 um, against a guy who can be an actual challenge to him, who has a different skill set than the other guys he's been fighting, who deserves it based on merit. It isn't based on him uh, trash talking or anything. That's the complete opposite of like a Conor McGregor. Conor's a fucking awesome fighter, by the way. I think like he's one of my favorite fighters to watch. I think his hands are fucking great. I, I, I'm a huge fan of his, but a lot of what got him where he is was his trash talking. Same with guys like Colby Covington and that kind of stuff. Like I, but, but Oliver hasn't done these things. He's just been going out there and breaking UFC records and, and getting better and better. And now he's just destroying these guys like Tony Ferguson. I mean, I think Habib sees these things and he'd probably be like, you know what, if, if I'm going to fight one more time, it'll be against this guy. And he's the kind of guy that I think Habib would be okay with losing to. Like, I don't, obviously he wouldn't, 
he, I never think he'd throw a fight, obviously. But if something happened, like a Verdum versus Fedor scenario, where Habib's on top of Oliveira, and Oliveira throws up a slick submission and catches Habib, Habib can be proud of losing to a guy like that. Like, if Habib lost to Connor, it would bother him to no end, and he would have to get a rematch. Like, he wouldn't be able to live with himself if he lost to Conor McGregor. I think, so him losing to someone like Oliveira, like, that's totally respectable and honorable on your way out also. So, like, I think there's a lot of reasons. If Habib wants to keep fighting, I say, you know, I want to see the GSP fight. Obviously, I've talked about that a lot, but I'd say at this point, it's like, screw the GSP fight. Like, it's taking forever. Who knows if GSP is ever going to actually fight again? I feel like we're all just getting fucking honey-dicked over this thing over and over again. Oliveira is right here. (laughs) Oliveira is right here, ready to go. Like, and he's proven himself already. Like, fuck all that other talk. If Habib's going to fight one more time, I think it should be Charles Oliveira. Uh, Sign me up. I'm in. Uh, I think that's Oliveira's due a payday. He's due a title fight. He's due a lot. So uh, sign me up for Charles Oliveira in a title fight. Again, uh, such a dominant performance. Can't say enough about it. Um, moving on to probably the most talked about knockout. I know the we'll, we'll talk about the the perceived <laughs> knockout yeah. in a second, but the the Kevin Holland puts Jacare down, bro. First round knockout, like loosely off the bat, throwing fuck. I mean, you know what I mean? Like one of the craziest shits I've ever seen. That was one that I was uh, doing commentary at a show. And my phone is just, I can feel the notifications and it's people like, bro, did you see this shit? And uh, man, Kevin Holland knockout, uh, got the performance of the night, 50 G's in the pocket. And he calls out fucking Chimeoff, bro. Dude, this was phenomenal. All of it. Like I was, I mean, Jacare is one of my favorite fighters ever. I want to throw that out there. I'm a big fan of his. I uh, have it for a long time. But what Kevin Holland just did was like, holy shit. How many in a row? I got to pull his record up. That's He's won like five times this year. Like this guy is just yeah, coming that, out. Exactly. That was the big story uh, we talked about last week going in. He had the opportunity since May, his first fight of the year, May of 2020. He finishes 5-0 and oh with only one time it going to the judges, dude. Yeah. Dude, I honestly, because like the Chimeyov call out as well was like incredible. Uh, the fight before this, when Israel Adesanya was ringside, like he was talking shit to Adesanya after his win before uh, Jock Ray, his win over um, uh, Charlie Ontiveros. I that was, I mean, let me put it this way, and this might sound a little extreme, and but here's the thing. Guys with his, with Kevin Holland's mindset right now, with what he's doing to people in the cage, the way that he basically, I mean, he, I want to preface what I'm about to say because people will take this out of context. There's an actual hold and scenario in MMA called a rape choke. So I'm, this is not, but that's what he basically did. Like Vanderway Silva um, did it to, uh, or was it, was it Rampage that did it to Vanderway Silva? I remember it happened in a Vanderway Silva match. Um, it might have been Vanoy Silver versus oh, who was he fighting? Anyways, the point is you basically wrap one of your arms around your opponent's neck because that's totally legal. It just never really happens because uh, no one really let, will ever let you do that. But he basically had his hand around his opponent's neck. So you basically had Kevin Holland like 
choking Jacare with one of his hands and just punching him straight in the face with his other fist. I mean, it was that was brutal. Jacare was on his knees, falling backwards, like still on his knees, just out cold. I mean, that was brutal, brutal, brutal knockout. And for them, him to have the balls to be like, hey, I want to fight Shumayev in a, in a week. It's like, dude, fuck yeah. If you if you don't get to fight Shumayev, this is going to sound extreme. You jump the whole fucking line, buddy. I'd rather see <laughs> I'd, I'd rather see Kevin Holland fight Israel Adesanya than anyone else in the division right now. Dude, 28 years old. Again, 5-0. Ties the record for most wins in a calendar year. Um, in UFC history, and and he does it in a year with the COVIDs. Uh, I mean, again, since May, so from month five to month twelve, five wins, three performances, the night bonuses. Again, uh, it's 150 G's in his pocket uh, in these in these last few months. Um, again, we we just talked about how great of a year for Figgy. I mean, Kevin Holland, man, there may not be a better uh, uh, that might be fighter of the year, even if he does it. You know, it's not been for a title or anything. Five and zero, oh, three performances of the night finishes. That knockout finish over Buckley. This one over Jockery that we're going to be seeing for years to come. Uh, Kevin Holland, a lot, a lot on his name heading into twenty twenty one. And yeah, why not? Right, Shemayev is the only. He's kind of in the same boat um, on the other side of like just hot twenty twenty, beating everybody, wanting fights, staying active. I mean, this feels like maybe like a COVID's dream fight in a sense. <laughs> COVID's dream fight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, I, what I will say is this. So there's actually kind of a perfect scenario right now in the middleweight division. Um, now, the best scenario ever would be Kevin Holland fights Chimeyev in a week, but I don't think that that's going to actually happen. But the fact that he even made the call out, um, and I know he's not full of shit either. Like, he was literally talking shit to Israel and Asanya with Adesanya right there. Like, I mean, this guy isn't afraid of anybody. And I think that there's another guy, Martin, sorry, Marvin Vittori, who, you know, just uh, this past week or two weeks ago beat Jack Hermanson. He's on a run right now, too. Uh, he's won his last four in a row. And he's had a, a really good, uh, just a really good stretch of fights. And he's also ranked higher. Uh, he's currently at uh, number five in the division after beating Hermanson. And Whitaker's supposed to get Adesanya next. We don't know if that's going to actually happen with Adesanya maybe moving to fight Blahovich at light heavyweight and stuff. But assuming Whitaker gets the next shot, I think Kevin Holland versus Marvin Vittori makes a lot of sense for number one contender uh, because Paulo Costa, who knows what's going on with him right now. Jared Cannonier just lost um, to Robert Whitaker. And Darren Till is in a kind of this weird no man's land where he's actually advanced two spots up in the rankings. He's moved from six to four in the last week because of Vittori beating Hermanson, which is like, which is crazy. So, um, but Darren Till versus Vittori would be an awesome fight also. I know both guys said that they're down for that. So like, I'm good with that too. But the the big, the big underlying kind of thing here, or maybe Uriah Hall, maybe do Uriah Hall versus Kevin Holland. Either way, Kevin Holland, he's in the mix now. Like, you, he's fighting top 10, top 5 guys. He's a potential fill-in for a title match. Like, I I am, like, 
what he was doing was already impressive, but then to put out Jockeray the way that he did, I mean, that was, like I said, just a completely brutal finish of a, of a legend. I mean, I, I could not be more impressed with what Kevin Holland's been doing. Yeah, Kevin Holland, maybe my favorite fighter of 2020, not named Chimeyov. Um, I, I Super impressed, man. I, I know what we keep harping on it, but that was one of the grossest knockouts I've ever seen. Uh, I couldn't be more impressed. Um, on, the, uh, on, the, on the not as happy side at all, we, we keep talking about these cuts that Dana's hinting at. He flat out said that that Jacare and uh, and Junior, who uh, we haven't got there yet, but of course the uh, the loss to Surreal Gain, um, that Jacare and maybe JDS could be a part of these big cuts, man, at the end of the year. Yeah, I think that uh, I think I'm glad you brought that up because I think that, and I didn't even know that Dana had said that, by the way, but I I figured Jacare and JDS would definitely be two that, and this is so shitty to have to like talking about this in this way but just realistically speaking it is a part of the conversation right now it just it just is with the ufc um i think that i think that jock Ray will get cut and i think that junior DeSantos will get cut i also would not be surprised to see tony ferguson gone he costs a lot of money the ufc does not like dealing with him they've had a very rocky relationship over the years um he's a really big name still and he's still a damn good fighter but he's lost his last two not going to be a, a champion probably um, or at least anytime soon. I, I could see even Tony Ferguson potentially being a part of that. Um, Hanada Moicano, who we haven't talked about yet, I could see him being on there. Like, they're, and we're at a point right now where honestly, like, the, a lot of these fighters, like, they are fighting for their jobs right now. And I, I think there will be quite a few cuts off of this card, like you just said. No, yeah, it, it's, um, it's, unfortunate that we're going to, you know, a lot of guys that we are fans of that we've watched their careers, man, um, maybe at other banners. I, I definitely could see either one of these or both these guys having plenty of interest outside of the UFC, but, uh, but yeah, man, just weird times. Um, of course the, yeah, gain, Cyril gain got the finish over JDS second round TKO. Thanks to a really gnarly elbow. And, uh, the, the one other fight we haven't mentioned on the main card yet, Mackenzie Dern with a decision win, 29-28 across the board. Um, what did you think? I mean, again, hell of a main card, but um, were you really surprised by either one of those outcomes? No, not really. Uh, Surreal Gone, I think, is like, I think he's a really good fighter. He's like the next kind of new breed of guys in the UFC heavyweight division that are just he's going to be a problem for a lot of people at heavyweight. There's really no shame in JDS losing to him. Um, You're right, but I think that JDS is definitely towards the tail end of his career, and you could find new life in Bellator. I mean, like we've never seen him versus Fedor, for instance. Like you could do something like that. Um, you know, there are matchups for for JDS in Bellator. I think um, same with Jacare if he wants to keep fighting and. and Joffrey already has a great relationship with Scott Coker. Uh, same with Nick as Nick Diaz from the Strike Force days. So, um, you know, I think if both guys want to keep fighting, they can find new life. But I think that Gone looked really, really good against JDS. And like I said, he'll be a big problem in the division. And Mackenzie Dern's one was really impressive because Jenny DeRoba is, she's legit as fuck. Like, she was a great uh, Invicta champion and has looked really good in the UFC so far. Um, and, and this fight was a, it was a really good fight. It was close. Um, I, I agree with Mackenzie. Well, 
It was close. I don't know. I, I, I think when I watched it, I actually was leaning toward uh, Janet Aroba, I think. Uh, but it was, I mean, it was a damn good fight. Both women are really good uh, and really, uh, really promising for the future of the women's strawweight division. So, uh, so I, I can't say I was really surprised by any of the results, but uh, we got really good matchups and some really good uh, finishes. And obviously, I mean, talk about good matchups. We got a fucking draw in the main event and, and the best, possibly the best fight of the entire year. So, I mean, just incredible main card, best card of the year, in my opinion. Yeah. I was going to say without a doubt, the best pay-per-view uh, top to bottom of the year. Prelim action, we had Cub Swanson getting a knockout over Daniel Pineda, which I know both of us, uh, Cub Swanson guys, are happy to see Cub back in the winning column. And um, the other performance of the night, uh, Rafael Fazeev with a, a brutal knockout in the first round in the lightweight division. Um, how about these finishes, bro? I know that those are those, these are the last two fights leading into the main card. So uh, hot shit right of the gate, man. Yeah, awesome stuff. I mean, it's great to see Cub Swanson. Uh, now he's putting together a little bit of a run, beat Con Gracie and now Daniel Pineda. So, uh, I mean, that's good for a guy who at one point, had, I mean, right before that had lost four straight. Granted, to Brian Ortega, Frankie Edgar, Hanato Makano, and Shane Burgos. But, that's, I mean, who are all obviously really good fighters. And the Burgos fight was a split decision. But, you know, bounces back. The fight with Cron Gracie was one of my favorite fights from last year. I, I fucking love that fight. And uh, the Pineda uh, finish this weekend, really impressive. Uh, Cub Swanson's got to be feeling great. And uh, he's a guy kind of kind of similar to Oliveira from the sense that, like, he's been around forever. And he's actually kind of looking back. I mean, Olivares looks like looks way better than he did before. Like he's and now I think he's like I said, I think he's like the best guy in the division. I'm not gonna say Cub Swanson's like the best featherweight in the world, but he's looking like I think he's looking better than he kind of ever has right now. Like and he had a really damn good run in WEC and his UFC run has been kind of hot and cold, but like a lot of really, really good stuff. Um and uh what was the fight he had against uh, Duho Choi? That that fight was, you know, incredible. So like, there there's been really good stuff uh, from Cub Swanson, uh, but but like right now, I think he's really kind of putting it all together. And like, he's like a veteran, but he's only how old is he? He's got to only be like in his early thirties still, um, thirty seven, so late thirties. But Jesus, he he's been fighting since uh, two thousand four. I mean. For the love of God, I mean that's that's impressive in itself. Uh, so, and Cub Swanson's a guy who like he might have been fighting for his career yesterday too. I don't I don't know. I, I think a lot of these guys, the, the veterans, are yeah. kind of really, yeah. If you're if you've had an X amount of fights, you know, like I. So this was huge for Swanson. Potentially saved his whole career. I mean, I, I, but he he's another guy like Bellator would swoop him up so fast. Or, or one championship, like he he would he definitely want he definitely find somewhere to fight if he wanted to keep fighting. Um, and then uh, Fiziev defeating Moicano, mm -hmm. impressive as hell. That guy is looking awesome too. Like the, the part of what made the show so incredible in in the show of the year is how many people from like the new breed are like really shining right now. Like this is really great for the future of the company. And Fazeev, he's won his last three in a row. 
the only loss he has in his whole career was his UFC debut. Uh, and since then, he's looked fucking great. And that was a devastating knockout um, over Moicano, who at one point we were talking about as like a title challenger not that long ago. So um, he never challenged for the title, but he was like right there. So two, I mean, just awesome stuff. No, great, great knockout. That was the first one I remember social media really getting crazy about was the Fazeev knockout. And then, of course, uh, Holland really, um, really uh, took over that when we got there in the main card. Yeah, always happy to see Cub get the win. Love a good knockout. Um, Happy across the board there. The last two or three fights on this, uh, the the prelim and the early prelims were Gavin Tucker beating uh, Billy Quarantillo, that was the unanimous decision, 30-27 for all three of the judges. Tisha Torres with a TKO uh, finish, Dr. Stoppage after the first round over Sam Hughes. And then the early prelim card, uh, one fight, Chase Hooper winning with a heel hook in the third round over Peter Barrett. Uh, Again, we started with a finish, we ended with a fight of the year. Plenty of finishes in between, some good decisions, man. Um, All in all, a lot to love on on, on something you, you've said a couple times now. Could very well be the uh, the card of the year. Yeah, yeah, all incredible stuff. The Gavin Tucker versus Billy Quarantino fight was, it was still a pretty good fight, even though it was, uh, Tucker won all three rounds. It was still a pretty damn good fight. Uh, Tisha Torres dominated. I, I was really happy to see that. Nothing against Sam Hughes, but I've talked about on the last podcast. I'm a big fan of Tisha Torres because we have some mutual friends and I just hear really, really good things about her. And um, so I like her kind of in real life, I guess you'd say. Uh, So I pull for her a little extra. And she's had, you know, such a damn interesting career because she's been so close to being a title challenger so many times. Like her only losses in the UFC, like people see her record and they're like, it can be kind of confusing. Uh, it's 12 and five is her overall record, but her losses are to Rose Dami Yunus, Jessica Andrade, Yanni and Jacek, Wiley Jean and Marina Rodriguez. And Rodriguez was undefeated up until uh, her most recent fight with Carlos Esparza. So, I mean, this is like, like she's, she's losing to literally the, like all the former champions, like it's, or the current champion of uh, Wiley Zhang. Like it's, it's, and then Rodriguez being the only outlier there. I mean, it just it completely uh, great. And great to see that, you know, now she's won two in a row, Tisha Torres. So this is a, this, is a, this was a really impressive win. She she just beat the hell out of Sam Hughes in her her corner bait. I think they called it a doctor stoppage, but it was actually her corner um, stopped the fight in between rounds. Okay. Gotcha. No, yeah, solid stuff. UFC 256 in the books. Oh, and Chase Hooper, um, by the way. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, the, hook, the hill hook. Dude humongous come from behind win for Chase Hooper. He was getting his ass kicked that entire fight. And he was literally doing the, uh, oh, I'm so bad at the, remember the name of the, oh, the rolls, uh, the origami roll, whatever they call it, where it's, where you're, you're basically diving for people's legs um, from standing. You just dive at people's legs and try to get takedowns and heel hooks. And he eventually like, started, like he got kind of close a couple times and then he actually got him. With like two minutes left in the fight. Incredible come from behind victory from for Chase Hooper, who uh, now I think is actually 21. I think like he's the kid who a few months ago, he is. 
Yeah, he was he was he he won a fight and was talking about going to the M&M factory because like he couldn't go to the bars. Like it's it's incredible. Uh, ben Askren's son, if you've never seen him. <laughs> um and, I mean, and this was an, a, another thing too. Like he had just lost to Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy coming into this fight. So Hooper needed to bounce back and uh it really looks like it really looked bad for him. Uh but he gutted it out. Uh pro wrestling reference reference all heart like like blake christian right like all heart this kid is all heart he just straight up um just straight up gutted through the ass kicking he was taking and found a way to win and i i was very very impressed with chase hooper shout out chase Superman. yeah love the toughness uh love the uh he could finally kick back a little champagne after after that <laughs> win man because he fucking earned it UFC 256 in the books. Uh, we're going to switch it up now, preview a little bit. Our, it's weird that we're here, man. The last card of the year, UFC Fight Night, also known as UFC Fight Night 183, UFC on ESPN Plus 41, my God, and UFC Vegas 17. Main event, Wonder Boy, Stephen Thompson, Jeff Neal. We've got Jose Aldo on this card. We've got Marlon Moraes and Rob Font, Marcin Tiber fighting Greg Hardy, Showtime Alex Morano. Uh, I mean, in the prelims, we've got Bilal Muhammad, Sajari Eubanks, uh, plenty of non-Wikipedia pages versus Wikipedia pages. We're going out with a bang, bro. Yeah, it's going to be fucking awesome. Like, this is actually a really damn good show. It, it does suck that... Uh, uh, what was the initial main event? Was uh, oh, oh Chameyov and yep. um, Edwards. Edwards, yes. Yeah, so this was supposed to be Chameyov and Edwards. Obviously, you know, it sucks we lost that fight, but Wonder Boy versus Jeff Neal is still a damn good main event. And Anthony Pettis versus Alex Morano was actually added after the Chameyov uh, and Edwards fight fell off. Anthony Pettis was already in town, and he was, like, pretty much ready to fight. He's like, Hey, I'll like, if y'all need someone in two weeks or whatever it was, like I'm ready to go welterweight. And Alex Morano was down to fight and they made it happen. So, you know, huge props, to Anthony Pettis for jumping in and Alex Morano for jumping in on short notice like that, um, to help, uh, kind of not save the card, but, you know, it took a big blow with the main event, uh, getting knocked off the show. So, you know, it was, it's cool for them to jump in and help the card out. So, uh, so, yeah, man, I mean, we can do predictions for, for each one of these. Like, there's, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, this whole, the whole main card is great. And there's even some really interesting stuff on the prelims, like you're saying. No, yeah, it, there's a lot of jumps out to you just on a, uh, on just, you know, an initial viewing. Yeah, the Wonder Boy, uh, Jeff Neal fight, of course, big time main event. Um, I know Neal may be for some people, you know, thinking what's, what's going on here. Um, he hasn't fought since a year ago today. As we record this, one year ago today, Jeff Neal beat Mike Perry. Um, before that, he had fought in July of 2019 and beat Nico Price. So 13-2, uh, and two, I know Warner Boys fought for that title. Um, funny enough, he was, um, well, we had a draw, the two, 256, I believe the last draw in a title fight was Woodley and, uh, and, and, and Warner Boys. So... A lot of things converging here, uh, this last card, Steven Jensen. So uh, where where do you think you lean on this main event? Um, I'm going to lean Wonder Boy. 
I like the fight a lot, though. Um, and it's also interesting to note that Jeff Neal's last loss was to Kevin Holland back in 2017, yep. which is, uh, that's, I mean, talk about impre- how impressive we've, we've been with Kevin Holland. I mean, that's even on his resume. Um, it's a good fight, though. It's I, To me, it's like the uh, karate style, like with Stephen Thompson, you got like kind of the karate style, kind of point-based fighting, but obviously Wonder Boy has tools to knock people out as well. But, he, you know, the way that he fights, he kind of keeps distance and bounces kind of back and forth. Sometimes it doesn't work out well. Like, we were both there in Nashville when Anthony Pettis uh, right. turned his lights out. I mean, and I, I didn't see that coming at all. And I was like, damn. And that, for me, I was like, hell yeah, Anthony Pettis. Like, that, that like, that real, I mean, I'm a huge Wonder Boy fan, by the way. But I was like, that, for me, that was proving, like, oh, shit, Anthony Pettis is still legit as fuck that he was able to knock out Wonder Boy like that. Um, and I think Jeff Neal is capable of doing the same thing. But... I think if if Warner Boy fights smart, I, I don't I don't think Jeff Neal because I think Jeff Neal's key to victory in this is getting on the inside and getting a big knockout or maybe going for a takedown or something um, to try to neutralize kind of Thompson's uh, kind of karate and point fighting type style. Uh, so, so I'm going to say Wonder Boy either by decision or maybe he catches him with something. Uh, but I'm going to go with Thompson on this one. What about you? Yeah, I'm actually leaning Neil because I think uh, he it, biggest fight for him of his career. I think again the the discussion of time away, good versus bad. I think he's coming in motivated. He's definitely coming in healthy. I think, and, and to your point, uh, Warner Boy, my gut may be telling me to do that, but this has been a weird year. So I'm gonna say we we end out with Jeff Neal getting the biggest win of his career. Uh, that though I, I never, I very rarely bet against Wonder Boy. I love uh, I love that guy, dude. He's he's always a good dude. I'm I got to talk to uh, to him a couple times before, um, and he's always super super nice. So um, I, I'm excited for the fight, man. But I am I'm gonna go Jeff Neal in a, a what could very well be a banger. Yeah, yeah, I like that prediction as well. And dude, like honestly, Stephen Thompson, if he got knocked out in this one, you never know with the cuts and stuff. Like you really don't. He'd he'd be, uh, he would have lost three of his last four at that point, uh, and he's thirty seven, and a Kai he probably a lot of money as well. I mean, that's that that's crazy. I'm even saying that, but like, I mean, I, if if you're Stephen Thompson, I feel like you really got to get a win here just to like. When you when you're watching guys like Yoel Romero and uh, and uh, Rumble Johnson and and potentially JDS and Jockray, like when you're watching those kind of guys getting cut, like you kind of got to be looking around. Like even though even though he's he's coming off a win over Vicente Luque and it was a fucking awesome fight, it's like you know if you lose this one though, you don't look too good in, in your recent record and with the age and the money and stuff, like you never know. No, yeah, I mean. There, we're, we're bound to have a few shocking cuts. I mean, the way that things are being talked about and rumors we're hearing. So, th- yeah, I mean, at this point, unless you're really super high ranked or, you know, anything in that, um, no one should really feel very comfortable because of, well, money. I mean, it comes down to that money coming in, going out thing. And that quickly uh, goes the way when we're talking with billionaires. I mean, they don't they don't fuck around when it comes to their money. So. Everyone should be on uh, on notice right now. 
main event time, or excuse me, semi-main event time, um, Jose Aldo, Marlon Vera, Bantamweight action, man. It feels like, I'm having to double check, it feels like, has Aldo fought, has he fought since, yeah, I was saying, since Peter Yawn, July. Um, three losses in a row for, for Aldo coming into this one, and you know Vera is looking to uh, to be in that same boat as Jeff Neal, of biggest win of, of his career. Yeah, well, I mean, th- I, this is, I can echo the same thing about Stephen Thompson I just said, except like double for Jose Aldo coming off three losses yep. in a row. Yeah, this would be four. And Marlon Vera is coming off that big win over Sean O'Malley, stopped that hype train, or at least derailed it for uh, for the time being. So, I mean, Marlon Vera is a very capable fighter who can beat Jose Aldo. Um, if Aldo, I really do think Jose Aldo is fighting for his job with the UFC in this one. And, uh, and he's still fairly young, too, which is that's really fucking crazy that he's only 34 years old. Like, and he's been fighting professionally since 2004. Comp- I mean, it's just wild to think that, that guy's only like two years older than I am. And I've been watching him fight since I was in high school. Like, nuts. But that all said, I mean, I'm I'm going to take Marlon Vera. I, I think that he, he rides the momentum. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's gonna ride the momentum off of uh, off that win over uh, Sugar Sean, and this is a huge fight for him and a former champion, arguably the best fighter ever at featherweight. I know that Max Holloway is definitely in that discussion as well, and I know that people can say Conor McGregor, even though his, his run wasn't long there and stuff. I, I get all that, but like I, I, Jose Aldo, just an absolute legend, and his move to bantamweight has been interesting. I mean, his fight with. Uh, with Piotr Yan was okay, but obviously Jan is, I mean, Jan's just a different animal and, and stopped him in the fifth round. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go Marlon Vera here, dude. I actually was going to go the same way, mainly because of what we keep saying, that Aldo, I keep expecting to see the Aldo we know and we, you know, but it's, it's that's the best. You know what I mean? That That's the best in the world at that time. People were going to say that, what you said, man, that this guy, he, at this age, um, he's already done enough, man. He's a hall of famer. He's the guy. Um, I I don't know if he's got the same motivation, um, that, that fucking, uh, Murano has, or excuse me, Marlon Vera has. I just don't think I'm expecting this year to go the way or to end the way we've seen. And that's people maybe overlooked, and just not on the map at all, uh, really making waves. So I- I'm with you. I think Vera gets the win. And this, God, it's so so crazy to say, but this might be Aldo's last fight uh, under that UFC banner, man. Um, that would not shock me at all. No, I'm and and if he wins, though, I mean, he would definitely could. Uh, I think he sticks around at bantamweight in the UFC for for a, a little while. So yeah, I'd. I don't know, man. It's uh, it would be crazy, but it's another one of those things. He's only thirty four. If he wants to keep fighting, one uh, that's one where like, no pun intended, but I would I'd see what's up with one championship if I was if I was Jose Aldo. I'd be like that that's that'd be like the big goal for me. If I left the UFC, like Bellator would be cool and it'd make a lot of sense, but I feel like one championship would just like throw him so much money because of his his history and his name yeah. value and all that name. I mean, yep. yeah I, I could see them making a big play for, for him or maybe he goes the complete fucking opposite way uh signs with bare knuckle and then starts doing <laughs> starts doing that frank Muir style or something so i don't know 
Then again, the numbers twenty. He was twenty five and one coming out of that Chad Mendez win back in twenty fourteen. Tonight, today he sits at twenty eight and seven, man. So we're talking three wins, seven losses, or excuse me, six losses in his last nine fights, man. And I know it's against great talent. I know, but this is really becoming um, a checkbook issue for for Dana White and the UFC. Uh, big. You know, big stakes uh, for Aldo in this fight with Vera, man. I'm, I'm, I can't wait for it. Um, moving on down the card, we've got um, Michael Pereira, Chaos Williams. We've seen Chaos a couple of times here in the COVID. Uh, Marlon Moraes and Rob Font. Uh, what, where are you thinking on these two? Again, this is a uh, two exciting fights, man. Rob Font, Marlon Moraes is exciting. Yeah, these, these, those are both really good fights. Like Michelle Pereira is the dude who fucking like does lion salts off the cage and right <laughs> fucking all that kind of shit. Like he's so he's fun to watch. He um he's coming off a win. He lost to Diego Sanchez. Uh oh, that was that that fucking DQ that that it was the knee where people like it connected with Diego, but everyone was like it, it seemed like his weird guru corner man guy was like like telling him like not to finish the fight instead of like anyway that was a whole fucking mess, but regardless, um, Pereira is coming off of a win. We're naked choke in his last outing. So this will be, this will be fun. Chaos Williams is the dude who, uh, he beat Al Hassan like really recently. I got to find the date on this. Uh, November, oh yeah. Last November, month. Uh, yeah. Again, exactly yeah, a, month a, month ago, ago. a month ago today. And that was like, he basically, it was a, it was a straight right, but he basically jabbed him. It was like it was, and he put Al Hassan out cold. Like, it was you don't really see that often. Like he looked like he barely, I say barely. I mean, it's still a fucking professional fighter throwing his fist in someone's face, but but like in comparison to what normally knocks people out in the UFC, it didn't really look like much. And I don't know if that's on Al Hassan's chin or if it's on like the exact precision that. Um, that um uh chaos williams landed or if his if will if williams just has like that type of fucking power i don't know but it makes for a, an exciting fight and i'm gonna take chaos williams there i like michelle Pereira more like as far as just like the, the wacky shit he does in the cage it, like the fact that at any point i could actually see like a swanton bomb attempted like like i'm like I'm here for it. Like, hell yeah. Like do this shit. Like, I don't fucking care. Entertain me. This is great. Um, but I think chaos Williams is just going to be really smart about it and not play Pereira's game and like, not let him go for like an insiguri or something, you know, like, and just like, <laughs> and, and, and like just punch him straight in the face, you know? Like, so I'm going to go with chaos Williams in that one. Um, and uh, and Marlon Marias, Rob Font that you mentioned. I'm going to go with Marias, uh, but Rob Font is a is a damn good fighter. He's uh he's coming off a of back to back wins over Sergio Pettis and Ricky Simon. So yeah, I mean th- this is that's kind of a toss up for me. And and a lot of people I think are going to be thrown off by Marias's last fight in that loss to his last fight was the loss to Sterling, wasn't it? No, his last no, fight was lost. I mean lost San Hagen. Yeah, that's right, San Hagen. He knocked out Sterling, but I, I remember, I, 
I remember him getting just totally worked in his last fight, and that was uh, that's right, it was the Sanhagen. Uh, Sanhagen was looking damn good in that fight. Uh, but to. yeah, he did. He really did. And Rob Vaughn, I think, is capable of uh, of possible. And Marias might even be a guy on the bubble too. As crazy as that is, um, a lot of money, a lot of years already could be losing this fight. Uh that's crazy to even think. I'm going to take Marias, though. I still think he's towards the top of the division. Um, it wouldn't be surprising to see Font get the win here, but I will go with Marlon. Yeah, same. I've got Chaos. I've got Marlon. I think we see – as I'm big on Rob Font, but I think I, I think we see a more locked-in Marlon Marias. I think he was definitely a little off last match, but, again, that was, that was the Corey Sanhagen we expected to see against Aljo. So, um yeah, I'm going to go Marlon as well. The The last two on the main card, Marston, Tibera, Craig Hardy, and then, of course, Showtime Pettis, Alex Morano. I'm I'm leaning towards, I think Greg Hardy is going to win again as much as, I, I, you know, a few months ago I probably would have said Tibera for sure. I think I'm going to say Greg Hardy and uh, and Alex Morano, man, he's, he recently got knocked out by Chaos Williams as well. I think he comes out. Uh, Showtime for me is a guy that, I never know what to expect with him. Um, I, it, you know, I, I like the performance against Cowboy. He was wise, so I'm going to lean Showtime, but I really just don't – I never know what I'm going to get with Showtime Pettis anymore, bro. Yeah, it can be pretty hit or miss, I think, but I'm going to say that he hits on this one. I'm going to say – I'm going to take Anthony Pettis uh, getting the win over Ross Morano. Uh, it's a really good fight, and I, it's also one of those where – I think Pettis is probably safe, even as crazy as that is compared to like Aldo and stuff. But like, I or even like Wonder Boy right now. I think that Pettis, like, because this is also a short notice type thing, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I I feel like Pettis is probably safe either way. I think, but uh, but yeah, I I think this is a really good fight, and I'm gonna take Pettis to win that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna say with a knockout actually. I, I think Pettis is gonna really go after it. And then I got in the uh, the heavyweight fight. I'm with you. I think Greg Hardy gets another win here. Uh, Tybura's looked good. He's won his last three uh, three fights in a row. Most recently to Ben Rothwell, and that's really impressive. Greg Hardy's won his last two in a row. Most recently that TKO over Maurice Green. And uh, I've talked about it before on the show, but the, the, the thing with Greg Hardy. And people can have their opinions of him outside the cage, which I, I totally understand. Uh, this isn't me talking about him as a human being. But what what uh, what I think is very admirable about what he's done is he has adapted and learned the sport of MMA pretty damn quick. Uh, and he is very athletic and very strong. And he's getting better and better. And we talked about it on the show before, but you know it goes a long way, the fact that he went uh, to a decision with Alexander Volkov. Like that's for a guy who like was so new to the sport to even go to a decision with a guy that level. Very impressive. So Greg Hardy's actually been very impressive uh, for for me for most of his run so far. Had some hiccups here and there, illegal strikes, uh, using an inhaler, stuff like that. But but I, I mean, if we can kind of look past that stuff, and also I think I've talked about it on the show too. I think there is something you now. Most people don't put themselves in this situation to begin with, but I think there is something somewhat admirable about the fact that this guy does have the history he has 
and he has not, at least publicly, we don't know what happens behind closed doors, and I can't sit here and speculate and stuff, but, like, I, the guy is, in my opinion, he's clearly bettered himself over the last few years. Like, he isn't getting in trouble, or you don't hear anything bad about him in the media. I mean, outside of, once again, like, the inhaler and kind of that kind of stuff. But, like, you're not hearing about, like, domestic issues with him. Uh, he's continually getting better at mixed martial arts. He's clearly dedicated. He definitely respects the the, the sport of mixed martial arts. Um, he's going in there, and he's willing to fight legitimate fighters, like, Mo Green is no fucking joke. Tybura is no fucking joke. Like he, and I think there is an admirable aspect to what he's doing. I, I, in a world that's so full of like cancel culture and that kind of stuff, it's really easy, I think, to like really latch on and be like, this guy is a is a fucking piece of shit forever, and I'll never forgive him. And I'm not gonna say I'm even for like if he did that stuff. I think that's unforgivable stuff. But at the end of the day, too, like, you know. There is that other side of it where, like, if I got in trouble for something and I wound up in jail, I guess depending on what it was, when I get out of jail, like, you've 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 served your time. Like, you like, there's you're you might have a negative stigma to you, but it's like, I feel like he's done a lot since then to show that, like, I don't think I think he's I think he's he's grown from since then. I think, which is really the only thing you can do. Otherwise, you otherwise you're completely canceled. You're not allowed to do anything forever. Like you know, if Greg and I understand that side of it too. There's a lot of people that don't think Greg Hardy should even be allowed to fight in the UFC, but he's there and he's doing what he can. And he's and he's you know I I don't really know how else to put it. Like he's he hasn't re- fully redeemed himself of those things, but it's like. I can't really keep holding him to that either over and over and over again when he's not showing a pattern of it. He's not, he's not doing it over and over. He's, he, and even, and even the stuff he got in trouble for, by the way, for a lot of people who don't know, it got settled out of court. doesn't mean he was innocent, but he was never convicted of anything either. So I don't, I don't know the full story of all this stuff either. Um, So it's, it's one of these things where Greg Hardy is so fucking controversial. It's hard to even talk about him because you you know that so many people just hate his gut so badly but i do think there is an admirable aspect of what he's doing in mixed martial arts and and if he keeps winning like i this guy has i mean he has the athleticism and the power and in the in the the growing skill set to be a real contender at heavyweight and you know i think it's it's just he's he's a case unlike anyone else in the, in the company you know it is. It's a it's a weird topic whenever Greg Hardy is brought up. Um, I, I'll again back to the numbers for me. Since June of 2018, he's fought ten times. He's seven two and one. Uh, we both agree. He, one of his uh, his best performances was a decision loss to uh, Alexander Volkov last November 2019. Uh, since then, two and zero, both this year, May of twenty twenty, and then Halloween night, he finished Mo Green. Um, it's it's a you know it's another step in his career, man. If you go out there and you you keep winning, especially over Marston Tibera, who has won three in a row himself, uh, all by decision. So he's shown that um, he he has the tank for the three rounds, which we don't usually see in heavyweights. Um, it's an interesting fight for a lot of reasons, man. It really is. Uh, and, and for Greg Hardy, the big picture stuff, if you keep winning, um, 
you're going to keep getting fights. Uh, Dana White, you know, he, he knows, just like we do, that um, polarizing characters like this help and hurt, uh, you know, more probably more help than anything because the people that don't like him are going to probably tune in to see him get his ass kicked, hopefully. So um, money to be made there again for Dana, and we know that they, they like that in the UFC. So uh, a big step for Greg Hardy in there with Tibera on the prelim card. The, the fight that really sticks out to me is uh, is Muhammad versus Diego Lima, uh, welterweight division, man. Um, I'm I'm curious to hear what you think about this one. I like watching Bilal Muhammad fight. Uh, Diego Lima is on a three-fight win streak. Uh, how do you see this one shaking out? Yeah, both of them are. I'm both on three-fight win streaks. This is a really, really good fight. Uh, Muhammad's coming off that win over Lyman Good, who's a former Bellator champ. And Diego Lima... Um, Two split decisions in his last couple, so damn close fights. Um, whereas Muhammad's have been a, a, a bit more one-sided, unanimous decisions in rear naked choke. But uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a damn good fight. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Muhammad. Uh, I like Lima. I like both of them. I, I'm a big fan of the Lima brothers. Uh, I think Douglas Lima is one of the best welterweights in the entire world right now. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Bilal Muhammad. But I, I like this matchup a lot. It's a very good fight. I'm, I've got Muhammad as well. Uh, are there anything else? You know, we got a couple more prelim uh, card fights. Um, the, all this, the the main card and the prelim card are both going to be on ESPN Plus this Saturday, December nineteenth. Uh, anything else on the prelim card that really uh, you know you really want to point out? Uh, I know we've got a couple of. Uh, blue names and black names, Wikipedia pages versus non-wiki pages. But uh, anything really sticking out to you that we haven't got to yet? Um, yeah, I guess a couple things I'll highlight. Uh, the Sajar Eubanks versus Panny Kinzad fight. That's a good one. Uh, Eubanks, it's funny because her record's six and five. and But like her fights have been like really good. Her last... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fights in a row have all gone to a decision. Uh, and yeah, I, I, Pansy Cannot, I think, is going to get the win here, though. She's looked really, really good. She's won her last two, most recently to Best Korea. Uh, I, I I like her a lot. Kenyatta, I, I knew from, uh, where was she the fight? From Invicta. That's where I knew her from before. Is she the one with the weird nickname? What's her, uh, what is her bonsai? Now I'm thinking of someone she must have fought. There, there was someone she fought in Invicta, or maybe it was her. They, they called her a professional snuggler or something like that. It was like this weird introduction. They're like, she's a professional snuggler. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, and I'm almost positive it was her, but she's a damn good fighter. And, uh, and I'm going to take uh, Kinzad in that one. And then I also want to mention, like, this is a big one for Darren Wynn, who a lot of people basically call mini Daniel Cormier. Uh, got a lot of uh, his hype from when he fought Filthy Tom Lawler on the Liddell Ortiz 3 show. And since then, he's gone one and two in the UFC. Things really haven't gone his way. Um, so he's a guy who I think is definitely on the bubble, but he has a lot of potential. Uh, but he's someone to kind of keep your eyes on. If he loses to Arroyo here, I think uh, we could be seeing 
Darren Wynn getting his walking papers pretty quick. Uh, but if he gets to win, that that's a new a new life for him. So, uh, so that's what I that's what I'd highlight there on uh, the rest of the prelims. Good stuff, man. UFC Fight Night Thompson versus Neil last card of 2020. Be sure to check it out all on the ESPN Plus. Uh, Man, we did it again. Uh, got a good rhythm going. I know uh, we'll have some uh, end-of-the-year talk in the next couple weeks. Of course, uh, we'll be back next Monday to talk about uh, this card we just previewed. But, um, yeah, man, uh, always a pleasure on here talking fights with you. I'm John Mosley. If you uh, if you feel so inclined, follow me over on Twitter at MosKOBK. But, uh, yeah, man, shout-out Fight Talk. Shout-out Steven Jensen, man. Uh, it's It's been a blast, bro. Yeah, appreciate it, man. It has been. And uh, we'll do something in the coming weeks. Don't know if it'll be next week or maybe the week after. Maybe the week after. There's going to be a couple weeks where the UFC doesn't have shows running. And we can do some sort of like end of the year awards or something like that. We'll put something like that together. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that'll be fun. Uh, so keep a, an ear out for that, everybody. And uh, make sure to subscribe to this Fight Talk podcast feed. Me and Moe's are here every Monday talking mixed martial arts. Uh, weekly, I do shows sometimes multiple times a week, but at least once a week with Jesse Davin. Me and her talk pro wrestling, and we do that live on her YouTube channel. That's uh, just set, just search uh, Jesse Davin on YouTube, and I upload all the audio here on this feed as well. Um, I had that interview with Matt Griffin from Action Wrestling that dropped here on the feed, uh, so that's here. So you're getting. Uh, pro wrestling interviews and, and MMA interviews and all that kind of stuff here too. So if you want to subscribe, please subscribe here or follow or whatever you're able to on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you're able to give a review, five-star reviews, ratings, all that kind of stuff really helps out a lot too. So that's much appreciated. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at fight talk underscore F I G H T T A L K underscore, but having more videos drop over at all things MMA on YouTube. So y'all can check that out. Uh, the most recent video that was uploaded of mine was um, the 10, which one just got uploaded? I think it was the 10 uh, most winningest UFC championship fighters. I don't know how they worded it. Uh, oh, yeah, much, much better than I did. Uh, top 10 most wins in UFC history. <laughs> that was that was the one that I just got to just got upload. So, so spoiler alert, um the next video that I've already edited that will get uploaded at some point um may or may not have to do with the most title wins in UFC history. <laughs> um so uh so yeah, keep an eye out for that one whenever that one drops. Sorry all things MMA if you're listening that I just uh, totally uh said a video that has not released yet. But uh but yeah, check that stuff out. All things MMA. Um and uh, Fightful Select Weekender Podcast. If you want to hear me talk about indie wrestling and and all that stuff, uh, Ring of Honor and uh, all the crazy stuff going on with Impact Wrestling and AEW right now and all that, that's uh, available over at FightfulSelect.com. So uh, that's it. I appreciate you again, Moe's. Anything else uh, before we get out of here? No, nah, man. Always a pleasure. Uh, can't wait to get back at it next week. Yeah, we'll see you all next week right here on Monday talking more mixed martial arts. <laughs>